Um, there are two readings this morning, but they're both from James. And the first one is James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and it's on page 1214. 1214. And it's over the page for the next one. <laughs> so James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18, which is just over the page. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. And your word challenges us as we read it. 
Lord, as we read your word today and as your word reads us, we pray that our hearts would be open to be transformed and challenged and changed for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. Let me put a couple of scenarios to you. And uh, what I'd like you to think about is the kind of conversation that you might have with the other person. So two scenarios. Um, Firstly, about um, a family member. Let's call him Sean. And uh, Sean has a reputation for being unreliable. And one day he forgets to pick you up from the train station. And another family member is uh, kind enough to come and get you instead to pick you up. And on the journey home, brings up the subject of Sean's reliability. I wonder what you might say to each other. Or another scenario, put yourself in a work situation. So you're having a a coffee with a work colleague. And uh, the boss you both share is unpredictable, has a tendency to lash out when he's under stress or when, when she's under stress, which does seem to be quite often. And you're both on the receiving end. I wonder how your conversation with each other would go. Today we're going to be thinking about something that that we can all relate to. And something that many of us, I think, would say we really struggle with. And what we're going to be thinking about is how do we use our words? Do we use our words, do we use our tongue to build people up or to bring people down? Do we use our words to encourage or to discourage? And as Debbie said, in the context of whole life worship, we're thinking today about how worshiping inspires our everyday speech and words. And let me just say from the start, from the outset, let me begin with a confession. It's not new to me. It is an old confession. In fact, it comes from one of our readings. It comes from James chapter 3, verse 2, which says, We all stumble in many ways. Those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Well, let me say I'm not perfect. But I do struggle with my words. I make mistakes. I can say say unwise things and foolish things. I wonder if anybody else can sympathize with me on that. Oh, you're all perfect, so that's that's fine. No, I'm sure you're not. We all struggle, don't we? It is so easy to say the wrong thing, isn't it? And so when it comes to our words, our speech, our communication with each other, a lot of us live in frustration. And we can say to ourselves, we might even say to other people, you know, am I ever going to get to the right place? Am I ever going to, you know, sort this out? And in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about some very practical things that we can do in our lives to try to make a difference. But let me just say something else before we dig into God's Word. Uh, You'll notice we've had two readings from James, James chapter 3 and James chapter 5. And in the material that uh, the uh, people who made this series put this series together, they suggest that we focus on James chapter 5 in this sermon. But as I looked at the passage and I read it and reread it, it didn't seem to quite sort of fit with the theme. And so I um, decided to go with uh, the James chapter 3 passage instead. So I'm going to focus more on James chapter 3 than James chapter 5, uh, because that really talks about um, the use of the tongue and our words. So James, James is only a short letter, it's only five chapters, and it is a very powerful 
very practical, down-to-earth letter. And James talks about, particularly in chapter 3, he talks about how important our everyday speech is. So let's reread James chapter 3, verses 3 to 6, where he says, When we put bits, uh, bits into the mouths of horses, horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. Powerful stuff. In that passage, in those few verses, James tells us three things about our words. He says, firstly, that my mouth, my words, direct where I go. That's why our words are so important. Our words can direct where we go. James also tells us that my mouth can destroy what I have. Because words are so powerful, our words can be destructive. And thirdly, he says that my mouth displays who I really am. You know, we can, try and, we can try and hide who we are on the inside. We can try and sort of, you know, try and disguise that. But so often our words will show who we really are on the inside. And that's something we really don't want to admit to so often. That what, what, who we are on the inside is shown on the outside by our words. So look at verses 11 and 12, for example. Where James says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So the picture that James is giving us here is that of a mountain spring. If you've ever you know, walked up a mountain or walked up a hill, you get these springs, these uh, the, the sort of natural springs that, that happen. And you may well go and want to taste from the water that's at that spring. And when you taste it, you'll taste either not a good, you know, sweet taste of water. And so you'll know it's good to, good to swallow, good to, to take, good to drink from that spring. Or you may taste a brackish and a sharp and a, a nasty taste. And so you'll know it's not a good place to go and drink from. And there lies the problem with our mouths. I don't know if you've realized this, but you've only got one mouth. And out of your one mouth comes good words and bad words, healthy words and poisonous words. You know, we've all seen this, we've all, we've all experienced this, haven't we? That, you know, one moment you're saying the, the most lovely thing, the most building up, encouraging thing, and then the next moment you may be saying the most discouraging, ugly thing. Where did it come from? How did that happen? And we end up frustrated. Our Lord Jesus Christ helps us to understand what's going on. Look at what Jesus says about our communication. Where do our words come from? 
Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, says something really important. If you've got a Bible, do turn back to that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Jesus says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is saying that the words flow out of what fills the heart. You might want to write that verse down to reflect on. Words flow out of what is filling your heart, my heart. And so whatever's going in our heart spills out in our words. And it's inevitable. You can try and suppress it. You can try and keep it down. You can try and keep it under control, but eventually, inevitably, at some point, those words are going to spill out of our hearts. But that's not all. Jesus says something else. Look at Mark chapter 7, verse 15, where Jesus says this, nothing outside you can defile you by going into you. Rather, it is what comes out of you that defiles you. Another translation puts it like this. Your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. Let me say that again. Your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. Mark 7 verse 15. So not only does my heart, what, what is in my heart spills out in my words... But my words spill back into my heart. And so you get this reciprocal thing going on. So you might feel angry, so you say angry words, but your angry words makes your heart feel angry or angrier. And so it doesn't make you feel better, it just makes you feel angrier. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with each other, then we're in this, we, we get caught in this trap. And it's an easy trap to get caught in. So how do we change it? How do we get out of that trap? How can we have hope for change? Well, let me tell you how. Pray. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, will you change my heart? Because I want to have the right kind of words. And will you change my words because I want to have the right kind of heart? Amen. I want you to know from, from what I'm saying that you're not alone in this. If this is an area you're struggling in, you're not, alo- you're not alone. Jesus Christ wants to help you in this part of your life, if you'll let him. Because he's there waiting to help you. He's willing to help you. And so let's, with that encouragement, let's, let's look at some specific ways that you can build people up with your words. And there's three things I want to tell you about. Firstly, communicate with honest words. Jesus was God-made man. Jesus was God in human form. He walked and talked. He was a living, breathing human being. And as he walked around on this earth, as he traveled through Palestine, as he traveled through Israel, he had lots of conversations with people. Some of those are recorded in the Gospels. And so as we study those conversations, we can see how he talks to people. 
And one of the things you notice as you look at those conversations that Jesus has with people is that he's honest. Jesus is honest. And when we're talking about, or when we're thinking about learning how to communicate, we need to learn from the experts. And let me tell you, I am not the expert. Jesus is the expert. God is the expert. I am not. But sometimes we think we can be experts, don't we? we sometimes we think we're experts. And, you know, we've got to turn to the experts. I can honestly say, hand on heart, when it comes to DIY, I am not an expert. You know, I've learned the hard way that when it comes to something that has gone wrong in the house, if it's a light fitting or if it's a shelf that needs fitting or something else that needs doing, I can tell you that I'm not the expert. And I can sort of pretend I'm the expert and say to Debbie, I might say to Debbie, I know how to do that. You just do, do this, do that, and then it's fine. And I'll go along and do it, and it all goes wrong. And well, Debbie will tell you that you know, she's had a few honest words with me to tell me I'm not the expert when it comes to that kind of thing. But you see, honesty is a hard thing, but a good thing. And when it comes to being honest in communication, Jesus is amazing. He's got this honesty about him. But it's not brutal. It's not a brutal honest. Not, it's not brutal. It's clear. It's, it's, it's an honesty that changes people. So we just looked at that verse, and he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And basically what he says to them is, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You are a bunch of hypocrites, he tells them. Which is honest, isn't it? It's honest. But he tells them what he's thinking. Another time he, he has he, the group of disciples, and his closest disciple, Peter, is there. And Peter's struggling with what Jesus is saying. And Jesus says to him, Satan, get behind me. And Jesus says that to Peter because Peter's thinking is wrong. And Jesus says it's a very honest, very tough thing to say to Peter. But he's honest. But it's a different way of honesty than we have. Because the difference is that he's responding out of honesty, not irritation. He's responding not out of anger, but out of love. And so it's the motivation behind the words that's important. So you see, it would be a lot easier for me to be nice than to be honest. It's just, it's just easier. You know, if I'm nice in a conversation, that conversation will be shorter than a conversation where I'm not being nice. Because if you're being nice, then you don't have to say so much. And you don't have to talk it through. And if you're being nice, there's, you know, there's no difficulties. Because you're being nice. But the problem with nice is it doesn't change anything. That niceness doesn't move a relationship forward or onwards. And niceness doesn't change my heart or anybody else's heart for that matter. You don't learn anything through being nice. And the challenge is, is that what Jesus says, if you want to impact lives, we've got to be lovingly honest. How do you do that? Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. It's about truth and love. It takes both those qualities. Now, for some people, truth is important, all important. In fact, if you're that person, you know, you'll love this bit of the sermon because truth is the most important. The world can be divided into two parts here. Truth is important. You love being honest with people. Down the line, straight down the line, you're going to tell them what's what and you don't really mind what happens as a result of it. And you're going to make them miserable anyway. That's, that's truth. But that's not being truthful and loving. 
Because people need to see that and hear and know that you're tell- what you're telling them is true, but you're telling them it's true because you love them, that you care about them, not just to hurt them. It's about truth and love. And so the reverse of that, the opposite of that is true. And so there may be people in this room who are like this, that, you know, you're, you're all love but no truth. So there might be a little bit of truth in the middle of what you're saying, but it's wrapped up in all this sticky, sweet love stuff that you can't get to the truth. You, know, you, can, you might have a conversation with, with someone and, you know, you kind of go away thinking, well, what on earth was that about? What were they saying? It's all sweetness, but no truth. And again, Paul says something really interesting, very important in the passage that is read at weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6, Paul says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And so being able to communicate in this way, it's about having a joy about truth and an excitement about what truth can do and the difference it makes. So we need to communicate with honest words which spring out of truth and love. Secondly, speak with careful words. When we speak to others, we need to be careful because our words are powerful. So you've got to be careful with how you use them. And I'm sure every one of us, every single one of us, is aware of the impact of the wrong words that we've spoken. And there are three areas, three big areas, I want us to touch on quickly to think about that. That of anger, gossip, and too many words. Firstly, anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anger in communication can really make its way in and really ruin things. We can experience great anger in arguments. We, you know, in close relationships, there are arguments. Everybody argues. And because of that, we've got to deal with where the anger comes from. And this verse in Ephesians 4 talks about that. Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold when you are angry. Well, how don't we? You know, we all get angry. We all have arguments. So how do we not let the devil win? Paul tells us very clearly. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That's how you deal with it. When I talk to couples who are getting married or those who are married and I'm advising them, I say, don't, get, don't go to bed while you're still angry with each other. Don't go to bed while you're still angry with each other. That's not just nice advice. That's what the scriptures say. This is what God says. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And God says that because he knows us and he loves us and he cares for us and he knows the way we're made and he knows the way we're wired and he knows that if we go to bed angry, we'll wake up the next morning even angrier. And then it might turn into bitterness and it gets harder and harder to put right. This little poem says it all. Be careful of the words you say. Keep them soft and sweet. You never know from day to day which ones you'll have to eat. It's a good one to remember. Another area you need to be mindful of is gossip. 
when I, I, I've been going to church as long as I can remember, you know, ever since I can remember. And when I, was, when I heard sermons as I was growing up, gossip was talked about sometimes, it was mentioned. Uh, you know, it was a little sin, you know, a minor sin, not one of the major sins, not one of the big sins, the significant sins. It was a sort of, you know, mentioned, but as a, a sort of minor sin. And it was talked about because, you know, people are, you know, we've got to talk about something in church, we'll talk about gossip. But wow, when I, when I, as I grew up and as I started reading the New Testament a little bit more, as I began to understand what the New, what the New Testament is saying, you look at the list of sins, it's there. Look at, let, let's look at it. Romans chapter 1, let's look at this. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is a fascinating chapter. I won't, I won't expound it now, but it's talking about God's judgment and God's wrath on humanity. Romans chapter 1, verses 29 to 31 says this. They, that's the godless, have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. I'm sure it's happened to you. you know, you've heard a list like that read in church, and you're reading the list of sins with the preacher, and you tick off, I haven't done that one, haven't done that one, haven't done that one, and then you get to gossip and think, oh, I've done that one. But it's in the list of sins that Paul talks about. It's not just a, it's a significant sin. But none of us really participate in that, do we? None of us. None of us are interested in gossip. None of us look at the gossip magazines when we're waiting in the doctor's surgery or, you know, glance at the headlines. But in church, we've got our own version. Prayer requests. What happens is we say, did you hear about Joe? Made up name. Did, we hear, did you hear about Joe? We really need to be praying for Joe. And then we go on to tell all the gory details of what's, about what's going on in, in their life. And a good thing to remember is this. Don't share anything with someone who's not part of the problem or part of the solution. Let me say that again. Don't share anything with someone who's not part of the problem or part of the solution. That's a good way of dealing with gossip in your own life. So maybe you're, you're okay with this one, but maybe you have people coming up to you who want to share stuff with you that you don't really want to listen to. And so let me share a couple of tips with you for that. First is to ask them if they have prayed with that person for that situation. Ask them if they've done that. Or the other thing to do is to say, wow, that is an important prayer request. Can I quote you as the one who shared that with me as I pass it on? And they probably won't gossip with you anymore. So there's lots of areas of gossip to work on in our life. It is disruptive to relationships. It is disruptive. Anger is disruptive. Gossip is disruptive. And another thing can be saying too much. And I'm not going to look at anyone now at all (laughs) saying too much. Words are dangerous because saying too much can get us into trouble. 
Proverbs 21 verse 23 says, Watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll you'll save yourself a lot of grief. My girls just say, zip the lip. Now, we're talking about talking, talking about talking less perhaps, and it's not to be confused with personality because some personalities talk a lot and some personalities talk less. And some of you think, well, I've got this one sorted because I never say anything to anyone. So I'm okay with this one. I'm good at this one. I don't ever, I don't ever share anything with anyone. Or maybe if that's you, you need to share yourself a little bit with other people and let them know what's going on inside. Or maybe you talk too much and you need to listen more. It's not about copying somebody else's personality. It's, it's a matter of bringing what, who you've been made to be and allowing God, you, God to work in you, breathing his life into all your relationships and your communication. So we do that by using honest words and careful words, and lastly, building up words, words that build up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So are your words, are my words building up words? Are they building up people according to their needs? Because words can either build up or they can tear down. Words can build a marriage relationship or they can tear down a marriage relationship. Words can build up a child's esteem, self-esteem, or they can tear down a child's self-esteem. Words can build up a, a relationship with a colleague or they can tear it down. So we need to think about our words. Do they build others up or do they tear others down? And the biggest thing I think we can do in this area is to think before we speak. And there's an acrostic that um, those on the screen can put up. Think. Think before we speak. T, is it truthful? Before you say something, is it truthful? Is it the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Or is it a little bit of twisted truth? Is it an attitude that will make you feel better or look better? Is it truthful? H, is it helpful? Or is it going to be harmful? I, is it inspirational? Is it going to build up or tear down? Is it going to give people hope? Or is it going to make them discouraged? Is it going to encourage and help them to move forward? Is it inspirational? N, is it necessary? That's the thing about talking too much. Some things aren't necessarily the wrong things to say. Nothing wrong with saying them, but are they necessary? And K, is it kind? Love is kind. So think. Think before you speak. If you're reading the news or hearing the news, you'll know at the moment that the news is full of what's going on in the markets and the banks because of Brexit. That's important. That is important. But there's something more important than that. Let me tell you. There's something more important than that. Because your words, there's an investment. There might be investment going on in the stock market, but there's an investment going on in your words. Without any doubt at all. Our finances will last as long as we are on this earth, but your words will last forever. Jesus says that at the last judgment, we will be called to account for every careless word that we've ever said. If you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 12, verse 37 says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. 
And so Jesus says that by our words, we will be acquitted or condemned. In other words, every good word that you've used and you've said is an investment in other people's lives. And it's an investment that's going to last forever and ever and ever. That's how powerful our words are. And in the light of that, I don't know about you, but I need God's help. I need God's help with my words. So I want to end with a simple prayer. And I invite you just to join in with this prayer and say amen at the end if you agree with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to ask that you would do something with my words this week. Instead of me trying to control my tongue, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you to guide my words. Lord Jesus, I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your strength. Jesus, guide me into honest words. Honest words of love. Guide me into careful words of love. Guide me into building up words of love. I'm asking for your help because I know you, you love me. And I ask for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.